Hello, and welcome to our podcast, The Midnight Ramblings. I'm Jenny Silverstein, and I'm with my dear friend from Ladue Junior High, Carrie Ofstein-Rosenthal. If you are joining us for the first time and you're wondering what this is all about, Carrie and I are two friends who can no longer sleep at night. So we decided the best thing to do would be to create a podcast about what we and others think about when we can't sleep. So, as we like to say, let's get ready to rumble. Tamar S. Pines is the founder and manager of Dad Is, a funny, practical, and beautifully designed parenting series for dads from pregnancy to toddlerhood and beyond. Created in 2019, the series has sold thousands of books. The Dad Is series is one of the most comprehensive texts for fathers from expectant dads to experienced dads. It plays an important role in preparing new fathers for the most important task of their lives, raising kids. The Dad Is series includes Mission Pregnancy, Dad's Survival Guide to Nine Months, Mission Baby, Dad's Survival Guide to Baby's First Year, Mission Parenting, Dad's Survival Guide to the Toddler Years, all of which can be purchased on Amazon. Tamar also put together and managed a community of over 50,000 senior citizens to provide social, mental, and health support. Tamar is a mother, a writer, a content creator, a community manager, a dreamer, and a doer. We are so excited to welcome her to the podcast. I'm very, very excited as well. Sounds fantastic. You've been very busy. (laughs) Yeah, I have. So Tamar, we are going to ask you what we ask everybody on this podcast. What do you think about when you can't sleep? Yeah, so um, uh, lately when I'm up at night and I can't sleep, I'm thinking about the fourth book in the Daddy's series that is supposed to be launched next month, also on Amazon as the other ones. And this book is now uh, in design and it's like giving birth. It's like another baby. So it's very exciting and it's also, you know, nerve-wracking. So um, I tend to um, think about that when I'm not sleeping and I'm not sleeping well at night. Understandably. So let's step back and what made you interested in writing a book series for fathers? Yeah. So when I was pregnant and that was 18 years ago, I had like tons of information sources. I had forums and chats and websites and books and guides. And of course, many girlfriends and all the women in my family So I had plenty of platforms to tell me what the future holds and get data that I needed and talk about my feelings and what to do next. But at the same time, my partner, who was, I guess, just as excited as I was, didn't have almost anyone to tell him what will happen or talk with him about how he felt or any knowledge sources dedicated for men. Um, that speaks about, you know, dad's unique challenges and feelings during pregnancy and renting years. So I understood that there was a lack of resources for dads and almost nowhere to discuss fatherhood. So I decided to create it. And by the way, since I'm not a dad myself, as you might have noticed, <laughs> uh, so I, I created a focus group of 40 dads around the world. Uh, who have been there and like lived to tell the, to tell the tale. 
And I'm basically telling their story. First of all, do you have kids and how old are they? So um, I have four kids at home. Uh, I gave birth to one of them. And three of them are my partners, but we raise them together. <laughs> the oldest one is 20 years old. And the youngest one is 15 years old. And we also have a son and a daughter who are 18 years old. So um, as you can imagine, four adolescents at one house can be challenging. And um, I have a whole different book about that fascinating age. And that will be one of the next books in the series. Oh, great. That's what I was going to ask. I was like, yeah. We have teenagers at home, so or I do. Completely uh, where's the book about teenagers? Because yeah. I work a lot of them, and they are very challenging at times. They can be. So yeah. we have four at the same time, at the same place. That's challenging. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'd love to get into a discussion just about that. But um, I, I'm curious, just in writing this book about dads, what your relationship was with your father. So um, my father is a medical doctor, and uh, we moved a lot when I was young. And uh, he would leave very early in the morning and come back very late at night. So I didn't really get to know him very well when I was a child. Um, but only when I grew up, I got to, to really know him. I think that there are different expectations um, from my father than from fathers today. Because I think fathers today are expected to be more involved in parenthood than previous generations. And they're expect expected to provide for their families, but also to raise the kids, so to do it together. And that's a lot of pressure on a lot of them. And there are, of course, a lot of stay-at-home dads, but the majority of dads just try to do everything together, and it's not easy at all. On that note, have you found that there are different expectations for fathers in different parts of the world? And if so, what are some examples of those differences? I think I would say that in religious, in more religious or traditional cultures, dads are usually expected still to be the providers and the women are dealing with the kids and the house, feeding and cleaning and so on. Um, that, of course, is a generalization, yeah? But you can say that most of the time in more modern cultures, fathers are expected to be more involved and also they want to be more involved. So that is true around the world, regardless of the country. It's a matter of culture, I think. Mm -hmm. And what is the most surprising thing you've learned while writing and researching and talking about fathers in this series? I think I have to say that I was surprised by how much men want to talk and to share and to get advice and to give advice. There are just not enough platforms for that, but they definitely need and want to discuss fatherhood. And that was a bit surprising for me. So what were some of the things that you found they wanted to talk about most? So I think mostly they wanted to um, talk about their partners because mm -hmm. that's something that is very hard for men to, to find where to discuss because to get information, it's a bit easier. It's not that easy for men because there are not a lot of um, resources mm -hmm. um, that are dedicated for men, but mm -hmm. it's a bit more easy than um, to talk about the partner because that's like a taboo. You cannot talk about anything. And uh, that's, that's one of the problems that men has discussing their um, parenthood while the mothers can discuss practically everything, they have like a platform for everything to get the emotional support and the information they need, 
and they can also talk about their partners. So everything is okay when the mom talks about it. But when the dad talks about it, um, it's not that simple. Say that from my experience, um, some cultures, uh, such as in the US and Northern Europe, people are afraid to hurt someone's feelings or to offend anyone. So the result is that um, there are some topics that can't be fully discussed because it might offend someone. I'll give you an example. Um, like in pregnancy, the women, the women bodies changes, right? And, and women gain weight. So that's a fact, right? We all know that. And that's a part of the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, so men, of course, understand that too, <laughs> of course. But still, they're a bit disturbed by the question, will their wife ever be the same as she was after the baby is born? So, because men don't like changes, and we all know that. They want to make sure that everything will stay the same. Nothing significant will change, which is funny because everything will change, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, the changing of, of the body is only an example of the change of everything. Mm -hmm. And that's an issue that's bothering a lot of men and also many pregnant women. But we women get to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And men don't. Because it's not PC to talk about the fact that your wife gained 30 pounds or that you're afraid that she won't look the same mm -hmm. after the baby is born. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that even if we don't talk about it, it doesn't make it untrue. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, it's better to let it out, to laugh a little bit you know, about it together, and then to talk about the deeper context of changes. And in a way, I think men could be maybe more prepared for becoming fathers. Well, I, I would have to, as a therapist, agree with that, that when, when something is not talked about or it's kind of taboo or people dance around these topics, um, it causes really just covert communication and a lack of communication. And then a lot of fears or misconceptions or assumptions are made. And um, I think, you know, women, as we know, just talk in circles or with their friends or their sisters or their mothers all the time. But, you know, men just as just they keep things to themselves, they keep some things inside. Like you said, they don't have the resources or the, the groups. And it's not na a natural thing for them. So they may keep it in, make assumptions about things that they're supposed to just accept this, but they may not be as attracted to their wife or what, who knows? And they don't want to talk about it. So, I mean, I think it's fantastic uh, that you've done this research because I think that it makes other men feel that they're not alone, this is normal, that it's okay, and that just knowing that and having that awareness probably gives them more permission to feel the feelings that they have and then, you know, be actually a better partner to their wives. And I want to add one other thing to that, which is that so often we feel like we shouldn't have the feeling. I, th I loved what you said, Tamar, about that you shouldn't have the feelings you're having, but if you have them, you have to deal with them. You, you can't just go, oh, I'm not, I'm not, You'd, you can say, I'd rather not have those feelings, but I have them. And, right. you know, I think that sort of self-admonishing thing we do to ourselves kind of keeps us from getting to the bottom of it and getting past it. Right, Jenny? I would imagine that's like, you, you have to accept it to then move past it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I think first is just accepting it and talking about it and having that inner awareness about it. And then realizing that you're not the only one that everybody's actually feeling this. And it's like, then, you know, it's kind of like when you go get a massage and you have a knot and it's like, it's going to keep getting worse unless you kind of work it through and massage it. And everybody can kind of like, you know, acknowledge like, yes, I've had that same experience. And that that's why these platforms are just, you know, groups are so important, not only for women, but for men, because it's sort of this population that's like half our population that isn't really allowed or not, or it's not seen as, as normal to talk about it, you know? Right. Right. And also there are things that you don't, as a man, you don't necessarily want to talk to your friends about, like your wife has started like farting. (laughs) <laughs> so you can't you can't discuss that with your best friend or or you could but you know you need the platform for it so it will be easy for you to just say what's going on you know my my wife has a stray hair on her boob like what's that have have you created because i know you had the original focus group of of men have you created a continual forum for new parents and new fathers yeah, so the brand will ultimately um, will be more than just books. So I really wanted to have um, like a group, maybe a Facebook group, a secret like a secret group mm-hmm. um, for men that they can go in and give advice and get advice and talk about how they feel because they do feel things. That's very surprising, mm-hmm. but they do feel mm-hmm. things. And usually don't have anyone to to share. And what I like so much about what you're doing too is you're not, there's sort of the sort of tropes of parenthood. It's going to be hard when you have to get up in the middle of the night, your life changes, the sort of platitudes. But what I love about what you're talking about is the specifics, the hair on the boob, the farting, the, (laughs) you know, the mess of it all, because it is messy business. It is. It is. At all stages. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to know what your partner started to think about when you were writing this. Like, what Was he appreciative of it? Was he like, oh my God, finally somebody's doing this? Just what was his take on all of it? Yeah. So he was, um, he was very appreciative. He was very amused and he, he constantly like wrote things, texted me things like from work, things that when he was work while he was working so he would text me like like i want to go home but i know it's it's feeding time and then it's shower time <laughs> and then and then so so maybe <laughs> i'll find something to do at the office so i'll come back like an hour later and i'll feel so guilty because i'm coming back an hour later but i i'm just so exhausted well i i would say you know i see a lot quite a lot of fathers in my practice and they they think about all those things. Like they, they don't want to stay at the office because they feel guilty, but then maybe they're not wanted at home because they'll disturb the routine, you know, like that the mother has. And so, you know, or they'll be yelled at, you know, because they're, they didn't come and help, but if they come and help, then they will screw everything up because, you know, so I think they feel very much like an outsider sometimes, and they're not, you know, integrated into the day to day. So many of them deal with it in a more traditional way where it's like, oh, you know, my wife's got that, you know, and I'm just going to stay at the office. But then a lot of resentment resentment can form because 
the wife's like, why are you not helping? Why are you always at the office? So it's a bit of a, you know, catch 22, unless there's this kind of communication. Like, look, I really appreciate that you come at this time because I'm so tired by the end of the day. And that's why I am a complete raving, you know, bitch to you when you get home or whatever. And the guy's like, oh, well, what time can I come and at what hours and what can I do? Because a lot of it is about the specifics, because if it's all one big mess, nobody knows their roles. And, and especially because the roles are very blurred these days and both people might be working and the woman might just have a limited time and then she's going back to work and then the man is there. And so the communication and the sharing, I think, becomes so important. And I, I just love the fact that you you did this and you had this idea and, and you actually, like when Carrie said in your introduction, you're, you're action oriented, you know, you, you actually did it. Have you found that there is a difference um in the kinds of questions and concerns that same-sex partnerships have? Like, have did you interview people who are in same-sex relationships who are both fathers? Yeah. So um, I did not... Uh, so that's actually one of the... Also one of the books to come in mm -hmm. the series. Mm -hmm. But so I talked to a few, like, not a lot, but I, I have talked to a few um, uh, same-sex um, parents. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I think that during pregnancy, I think it's a little bit different from that for them because they usually they don't see and they don't feel the baby growing. Mm -hmm. So um, also in like families that there are mommy and daddy, the daddy cannot feel the baby. So that's one problem, mm -hmm. but he can see the changes mm -hmm. even though he can't feel it. But uh, when you don't have the mommy around, you can see the changes like every few months, maybe, or if the mommy um, sends pictures or you get to visit her, but you don't see it and you don't talk about it on a daily basis. So I think that sometimes uh, start the process with the baby while, like when the baby is born, the process <laughs> while... Um, while when there is a mommy and a daddy, um, the process begins with pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And you're saying that there's sort of a, if, the, if it's a same-sex couple, you start that experience at the same time, whatever that experience is, you do it together. Whereas if a woman gets pregnant and a man, you know, their, their experience is not on the same continuum, right? Because the because the woman can feel things, and she does can she she yeah. does feel things that, that the man cannot. So the yeah. man can 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 try to participate in the whole process, mm -hmm. and and but but it's not the same. While in the sex, same sex couples, they begin the process usually together. Usually more when the baby is born or, or when they get the baby and then they're together in this. So, so it's a different experience for sure. And how can new mothers to that end best help their partner parent? So I think the most important thing is to have patience and to let the new dad develop his own relationship with the baby without criticizing. Because we know all moms want the best for their babies, for sure. But most of them think that 
um, there is only one best way to do things. Mm-hmm. And so they want the father to do things exactly the same way that they do it. And that could be very frustrating for the fathers who also have like instincts and methods and feelings, but um, they're expected to neglect them and to do whatever their partners tell them to do a lot of times. So that's part of the reason that men sometimes are less involved in, as far as we simply don't let them. I think that is such a good point. And I know, Jenny, you'll elaborate on this, but I just have to say from my own perspective, it as a stay-at-home mom, it frustrated me because I was sitting there taking care of everything. But we were both happy with that. But then my husband would come home and just try to insert his opinion. And I'd be like, wait a minute, I'm in charge. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? You're messing with me. Well, I, yeah. That's not fair. I mean, I I really isn't fair. But, uh, you know, I do understand that that instinct on the part of a woman because, you know, or whoever the primary caregiver is. Go on, Jenny. I know you're Well, no, no. I mean, I think this can become a big issue for couples and especially like a traditional, you know, stay at home mom. And then the guy's going out to be sort of the breadwinner. And this becomes, I mean, there's actually, if there are very clearly defined roles like that, I've noticed those are the couples that, you know, kind of get along the best, you know, (laughs) I mean, mean, seriously, but the problem comes in where maybe the man, you know, isn't happy with his role only as the breadwinner and then really wants to be more involved as a father and wants to insert his opinion and then, you know, tries and, um, you know, it depends if, if they also have very strong views or not, you know, and how, that conflicts with the with the woman and the routine that she set up because kids need structure and boundaries and routine. Um, it doesn't mean that they're not resilient and flexible. If if another person has another way, they they will you know really they love that too. And and many times I've had to tell um, moms, especially new moms, that you know what when it's dad's turn, you really have to let go. And you really just have to let, like, even if, you know, you, you've bought these beautiful, you know, one, one client bought these beautiful white dresses and she was, you know, they were for a photo shoot or whatever. And then the kids decided they were going to, you know, finger paint in them or whatever. And I mean, it was like the dad just let, let it happen. And they were having so much fun and she came home and it was like, oh my God, and it was a big fight. And it's like, look, yeah, you wanted those to be you know, they, they'd already had the photo shoot, luckily, but you, you wanted to keep those dresses really beautiful and whatever, but look how much fun they had. And, you know, like they're going to do it a different way, but mothers usually worry about things getting met, um, turning into a mess. Cause oftentimes they're the ones that have, have to clean it up and not having the husband maybe helping and whatever in the same way. And, and that's about control because women need to feel like things are under control or else it feels very chaotic. You know, and if, if the, the husband comes home and kind of inserts his thing, whatever, the woman starts to feel a bit threatened or out of control. And so a lot of it is just being flexible, um, accepting a different way um, and knowing kids are resilient and that it's actually good for them to learn that when dad's in charge, it's going to be done a bit differently. Um, but men also need that permission to do things differently. So women are a big part of it too, I think. Well, I was going to say, that's another question I had, which is how can a new father best help his partner, both in pregnancy and after the baby is born? So I would say that um, 
the new dad will have to create an atmosphere where it's okay for the mother to also think about herself and not only about the baby. Because new moms tend to focus only on the baby and neglect themselves. But then they are frustrated and sometimes even a bit bitter. Mm -hmm. And so as a friend and partner, I think it's important that the atmosphere is that it's totally okay for mommy to go out with friends or to go to the gym or to do her hobbies without feeling like a bad mother. Because ultimately, it's best for the whole family that mom and dad are happy and with good energy. I love that. Yeah. Well said. Well said. What is the biggest misconception that men have about parenting before becoming a father for the first time? Like, what do they worry about? What do they think about? I think the biggest misconception uh, men have about parenting is that life will stay exactly the same even after they have kids. I mean, that they could continue to do everything they did before with the addition of a baby or kids. (laughs) don't always realize that life will change in many ways and that usually comes as a surprise for most of them how do men come to accept that i guess they don't really have a choice in accepting they don't have a choice yeah yeah life just slaps them in the face (laughs) (laughs) but they don't they usually they don't think about it before or they do think about it but there is there is a difference between knowing that things will change and believing that things will change <laughs> so most of them know that things will change but they still they think they, they still think that um they could manage every to do everything together and then after a few months like and they're exhausted and then and then everything else that we discussed is happening their opinion counts less and less sometimes not all the times that's a generalization but most of the time because the women has like information resources and they they get like like a phd in parenting while the dads are stuck in i don't know kindergarten uh, parenting 101 so um mm-hmm. so 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 women do tend to know more and this goes further to men wanting to know less and less because even if they know things sometimes it doesn't count mm-hmm. so 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 the, in the, 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 the balance is uh, disrupted. And I think it get like men just think, yeah, no, it's going to change. And, and then all of a sudden they're like in the midst of it and it, it starts really taking a toll on the relationship and, you know, they're both exhausted and then there's resentment and they don't know how to manage it. And women tend to then go to other women who are in the same situation and have more resources or they find resources And over time, especially if there's a child with any kind of issue, you know, um, that they have to deal with, then everything sort of goes off kilter, like finances and the the amount of things that are in the house and the 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 child issue takes over. Like, do you feel, I'm thinking, like, I just want to say this, like, I do think that sex has to be one of the biggest issues here. I mean, because men so often release stress that way. Not to say that women can't, but I know that, you know, if you read books or whatever, they're like, 
you know, men need sex. Women have an, you know, and I know that when I had my child, I was like, do not touch me with a 10 foot pole. I want nothing to do with you sexually right now. <laughs> like, just get away from me. I've had someone sucking on my bosoms all day. Leave me alone. So I was curious just tomorrow, if you could kind of address that and what you learned about that. Yeah, so first of all, uh, sex is a very big thing in all of the books, all of the guides, because it's important. It's important and nobody talks about it. Like, yeah. So um, during pregnancy, um, women tend to um, be more uh, sexual or less sexual in different parts of, of the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning, usually, uh, again, that's a generalization, but, you know, it's hormonal and it's, so usually at the beginning, maybe less, and in the middle, maybe more, and at the end, maybe less, because they're afraid that someone would, something would, you know, hurt the baby or somehow, you know, that's not the threesome they were thinking about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So... Um, and, and of course, after the baby is born, no sex. <laughs> but the most important thing is that, or, or the most surprising thing that I've learned is that the libido dries not only for women, but also sometimes for men. In the few weeks after, after the baby is born, like it's, they're so exhausted well, and also their partner does not look you know, the same, and the boobs that she used to have are now, you know, milk pumps, and, <laughs> and, and the milk is, is flooding from her boob, and, you know, it's not, it's not like a sexy sight, you know, and sorry for not being PC here, but I don't know, I did not feel sexy when I was, you know, breastfeeding, so, but usually a lot of men also don't, don't feel very sexy, but they, they feel sexy, um, you know, faster. <laughs> yeah, maybe faster than than their partners. So there's nothing to do about it. Just to you know, to just to talk about it. The communication is so important. And 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 from my experience, um, rarely couples talk about it. He tries to touch her, and then she doesn't want, and then he gets frustrated. So so in these guides, it's it's specifically like it's it's discussed. Specifically, and that's also very, very important for men to know that it's, you know, sometimes it's like that, and you'll have to be patient. You well, know. you know, and also I think to your first point that you made about how there's these taboo subjects, and like a man may feel like a cad if he's like, well, I want to have sex and my wife doesn't want to, but like I'm such a jerk, and he's not a jerk. He's a human being who has needs as well, and to ignore them isn't helping either. You, you, you right. at least have to discuss them as Jenny was saying before. I think it, it seems to really come down to that, right, Jenny? Or Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, I think then what happens is when, when the man tunes into the woman emotionally and like really understands like, wow, like my wife is really going through a hard time and like she needs to go out with her friends or she needs to, she needs help around the house every now and then or organize. I mean, she's kind of got it. Most women can multitask like unbelievable, but it really is about the um, emotional support and about them understanding that they're, that the woman is overwhelmed or that she just needs a hug. 
and a hug can lead to sex. So <laughs> if the man is smart, he will understand that if, if your he, hands off the boobs, put them around yeah. her body. And that's right. And just tell her that My you understand her, <laughs> love her. You know, it's so hard for her, but you know what? You're here for her. Then you'll, I've had many, many men say those exact words who, who complain about sex. And, and then the next day I'll, I'll have an individual session with them. And, he, and he's like, got a little twinkle in his eye. I'm like, okay. <laughs> So it worked, right? <laughs> and then they'll say... Sometimes, also, sometimes they don't realize because nobody tells them, you know, that it doesn't feel good sometimes to touch the boob, like, right after, you know... No. It's been, no. like, half-traumatized. They don't, they don't understand that it's not, like, it's not fun to, for, the, for their partner. Yeah. Um, Sometimes um, I get, I, I actually get it a lot. Um, um, moms or future moms buy the books for their partners, mm-hmm. for the future dads or, yeah. or for the dads because the books, I have one book about pregnancy and, and then the rest of the books are about, you know, the baby and the daddy and raising kids and toddler years. And so, but the mommy buy a book for daddy and then eventually she reads it herself. And that's very, very important because then she understands what that her husband is not like a creature, a weird freak that wants things like everyone's the same. And then she also understands how he feels mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, as I said before, they, they, they feel a lot of things like stress and, and anxiety and like, and we don't acknowledge it. I, I'm, talking as a mm-hmm. as a woman you know we don't always acknowledge the the kind of stress and, and feelings that 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 men have uh during pregnancy and, and parenting um i noticed also that you have a facebook group for parent grandparents as well can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah so that that's uh, interesting so what happened uh, was that my mom uh, retired that was a few years ago and she tried to get in several Facebook groups to like talk about stuff, life, but most of the members in the groups that she tried to, um, to uh, be in uh, were much younger than her. And uh, the topics that were you know, discussed were not matching the topics that she, the issues that she was dealing with. Like they were more about raising kids and, you know, interrelationship with your husband, but but younger couples and, mm-hmm. you know, how to deal with your mother-in-law and she is the mother-in-law. So, so she told me, you know, I can't find like a community that matches my, you know, my needs. Mm-hmm. So I told her, okay, let's create that community. Mm-hmm. So we created a Facebook group for, uh, for you know, for grandparents and it like exploded um, because there were no other Facebook group for parents. So it exploded the first year. Uh, there were, I think, maybe 10,000 members and then following year 20,000 and now it's 50,000 grandparents. Wow. They meet, they have like, they get together and they talk about many, many things like um, interrelationship issues like what to do with my grandkids and and what to do with my kids who are parents now how to deal with them it's it's like there are many things how to deal with my with my uh, daughter-in-law and also many 
issues that are age-related, like uh, romance and sex and intimacy in older age and health issues and all kinds of, you know, um, discussions. It's actually fascinating. Well, no, I was just, I just think that's a, a fantastic group. And also just, you found these kind of niches of really like, you know, huge populations that don't have places to really talk about what's going on. So I just think that, I think that's, that's so great that people are really utilizing it. Um, and I guess the last question I have is, you know, what have you found, I mean, in a generalized way to be the, the best thing um, parents can do to help their children parent? So I would say um, they can help them finding the right balance between um, living their own life and being parents because they have the experience and they can look back and see how important it is to still be you even when you're a parent. And I think that's a gift that they can give their kids. I love that. What has the response been to your books? So um, my books are launched uh, on Amazon. And um, so on Amazon, you can see very clearly what the audience think because they, they rate the books and they, you know, they, they write um, reviews. So most of, the, most of the readers really, really appreciate that there's book there's a book that talk about them, like talk about men and, and address men and discuss dad's issues. Um, but still there are a few, usually women, usually mm -hmm. women, not a lot, but a few that are frustrated by the way that women are like represented. Some of the things that represent women in the books, but as we discussed before, like these are true things and real things and real issues that men actually like feel and think. So I would say it's important to talk about it, even if women are, you know, don't want to discuss these issues, they still exist. So let's talk about it. Let's just talk about it. I think if, if I'm walking away with anything that you've said, it's really that just because it doesn't feel like a proper thing to discuss or you're right or wrong to feel the way you feel, pushing it aside isn't the answer. The answer is to say, oh, well, it's unfortunate I feel this way, but I do actually feel this way. And now we need to deal with that. What do you think, Jen? Well, that's just the cornerstone of, of, of just good therapy and just and, <laughs> and, and good communication because anything, you know, what you resist persists, right? Like whatever you push away will eventually come to the surface. And when it does, it's going to come in a very kind of passive aggressive or, or, aggressive way, you know, and it's not going to come to the surface in a, in a way that feels good to both partners. And so I think if you can do this kind of preventative care or read a book, that's going to help the partner, the man navigate, and also help the woman feel more understood with her feelings and her hardships. Um, it's a win-win situation. And that's what you're going for. You're going for educating the man, allowing the woman to know that she doesn't always have to be in control. She doesn't always have to wear that hat. She can also be a little bit more flexible because the man and the father has so much to offer and so much to offer the kids. Um, and that is a lot of times 
spontaneity and fun. And, and also, you know, they can be, it depends on the dad, very organized and very, there's so much wisdom in their human being. And I think our culture puts these roles onto overlays them onto people that this is how things need to be. But I think the roles can be, you know, very flexible. And I work with quite a few same sex couples. And I, I think that would be a great, you know, um, book as well, um, because they navigate it in a different way. Um, but I, I, yeah, I agree. I think just these kinds of discussions kind of free up a lot of the resentments or misconceptions that people have about what they're supposed to bring to parenthood, what they're supposed to bring to a relationship. And they just allow people to be human beings and say, you know what, I'm having a hard time with this, or you know what, I'm not really attracted to my wife anymore. What do I do about that? (laughs) I mean, I have the choice. I could go, you know, call so-and-so down the street, but like, that wouldn't be a good idea because then I, (laughs) which is what happens, which is what happens some of the time, you know, but like really what he needed to say was I'm having these feelings and is that normal? And, you know, the wife would actually become more attractive to him if she understood what was going on and he had a place to talk about it, you know, but that's, that gets, you know, tricky because, you know, I, I, a lot of times men have these, feelings and emotions and, you know, they may be not a good way of dealing with them or taboo or, and the best thing is the, you know, their reactiveness and impulsivity to deal with the underlying emotions, you know, are not going to solve them. It's almost like it's not what it should, parenting should be. It's, it takes it from what it should be to what it actually is. And that's what right. I think is amazing about your books, Tamar. And I'm just so, so grateful that you join us. And I, I, I'm like, I, I, I actually am sort of sad that I no longer have little kids to give my these books to, but now I'm going to give them to my like Grand, my grandchildren, grandchildren. <laughs> my, my children's children. And maybe you could join the grand grandparents group too. Parents. I'm not ready. I only have an 11 year old and a 13 year old, but eventually, Jenny. I know, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a little closer than you. I, I have a lot of information to share about that, about yeah. that age. I'm well, getting I, ready. <laughs> I, I, I see that. And tomorrow, it has been such a pleasure to have you. And to our listeners, thank you as well for joining us today and throughout our second season. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. To learn what we're all about, visit us at themidnightramblings.com where you too can become a fansomniac. And of course, be sure to tell your friends because your support is necessary to make this thing take off. So for The Midnight Ramblings, this is Carrie Ofstein-Rosenthal and Jenny Silberstein. Thank you again for joining us. This is our last podcast of season two. We'll be back in the fall with season three. Until then, wishing you a wonderful summer. <laughs>